0: Um okay, so we are in Word Month Word. Word. Great. And um I thought I wanna tell you the, the the story of the New Testament. Have any of you ever wondered how we have this Bible? Okay, so we know anybody know how many books are in the Bible? Sixty six? Yeah, well done, well done. Okay, okay. How many are in the New Testament? 27 in the New Testament, huh? 29, 39, uh, in the Old Testament, yes, I was like, like oh, okay, maybe I was wrong, but, you know, it's fine if somebody says it, but if Uncle Philip says it, then you're like, oh shucks, I made a mistake, <laughs> okay, so, um, where was it? yes, word, okay, so, does anybody know how this thing came about. Do you, Have you ever been in conversations with somebody and they're like, okay, so, you know, the Bible, I was reading in the Bible and I was reading um, this passage and it's talking about these these Jews and they're like more noble than the other Jews because they heard things and then they went and tested it by scripture. And the first time I read that, I was like, um, how could they have tested the scriptures if they didn't have a Bible. That doesn't make sense to me, you know. So what scriptures do you think they were referring to, okay? Um, Jesus also said in Luke 4 verse 4, Luke 7 verse 27, there's a whole lot of others. I just picked specific verses, write those down. Jesus also says, it is written that, what is he referring, where is it written what is he referring to? Okay, so so Jesus is referring to the Old Testament. So, the the Christians, the early day Christians that you read about in the New Testament, when they went to Scripture, they didn't have a New Testament. They went to what we now know as the Old Testament. Okay, so who knows that you can you can defend Christianity with the Old Testament? Okay, yeah okay here's here's an interesting one so luke seven verse twenty seven or Luke seven is the story about when Jesus went into the desert and Satan came and tempted him okay and Jesus uses scripture he says three times it is written where is Jesus quoting from in the Bible does anybody know anybody anybody know He's actually quoting out of the book of Deuteronomy. Did you know that? That's just a little side note. If Jesus thinks that Deuteronomy is good for fighting against Satan, then you think, okay, maybe I should go read Deuteronomy. Okay, that's just a bit of a side. So I want to talk about the New Testament and how it came to be. I'm doing a very, very basic summary. So there's a lot of information out there. Um, I would recommend going on to some websites like bethinking.org, um, go look up the the um, the history of the New Testament, how did it come to be? Who put the New Testament together? Okay. so we're going to walk through this because we essentially what I want to get to at the end of this is that you can have a conversation with somebody where you can defend, the authority of the of the scripture that's that's the idea of what we're talking about and in order to know that you need to know how did the how did the new testament come to be because people are asking how can i take the new testament seriously man put it together man is fault how can i trust it have you ever asked those questions i, I used to ask those questions people are asking those questions so it's good to know i you guys keen for this Okay, so when was the New Testament put together? When was this Bible, as we know it, first put together? <laughs> uh, okay, so so the the records that we have is that it was finalized in three hundred ninety seven A.D. So Jesus was born. Okay, so get this: Jesus was born in about 3 AD okay no 3 BC so and he died at 30 AD at the age of 33 okay so and the bible was finalized as we know it in the, about nearly 400 years after that 450 years or 350 years after that okay that, that that's quite a bit of a time gap right So we know that an interesting thing about so so at this meeting where they finalised there's there there've been a lot of councils before this between the years 300 AD and 400 AD a lot of people met. This was a discussion that was going through the early church in the at that time back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Okay, an interesting thing, just also a side note, is that uh, I've I've written there. The, the the synod of Carthage it was the meeting where they they finalised this if you know anything about Christian history Saint Augustine was at that at that meeting and he was he was a massive champion of the faith back in his day um, the the first list of Bibles was mentioned in a letter in 365 AD um, by an Archbishop i i can't I try to pronounce this name but i don't want to embarrass myself uh, yeah that one what she said, okay, so what did they use before that? so we know that the bible the new testament i'm focusing specifically on the New testament if I didn't mention that before is mentioned is made up of twenty seven books or letters, so the early church had these letters that were in circulation, and there were many of them, many, many, many letters, okay, and these letters were written by early champions of the faith, they were going around, and that's that's what the early church, before they finalized what we now know as the Bible, this is what the early church used, was the Old Testament books, what we know as the Old Testament, the books of the law, the books of Moses, uh, the book, the, the Torah, all compiled into one, and then they used these letters that the apostles sent to each other. And then they compiled them into a book, okay, what we now know as the Bible. So we refer to 27 letters of the New Testament. Those are 27 books. So they letters. They were letters that apostles wrote to churches. So when you read the book of Corinthians, it is a letter by... Paul written to the church of Corinthians. Okay, if you're reading the book of James, it was a letter that James wrote. If you're reading the book of Matthew, it was a letter that Matthew wrote. Okay, it's a personal handwritten letter that they circulate. So they went around and they copied these letters um, and they, as these copies spread so that, you know, the early churches were built on these On these eyewitness accounts of the early apostles okay so that's great and all but you know you've got to you've got to be thinking at this point that 350 years after the time of Jesus how can you guarantee that they put these letters together that is actually something that we can rely on okay so this is this is pretty cool so there was a certain criteria for the books of the Bible, so we refer to the, the 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 books as the canon, the 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 New Testament canon, the Old Testament canon, and canon is a word that means authoritative. Okay, these books have authority. So what we're saying is, and what the what the what the guys did um, at these councils when they're deciding um, to put the books together, they were trying to figure out. How can we guarantee that the letters in this Bible are authoritative? We can guarantee that they are authentic, that they have authority, that when we read them, we know that they are accurate and true. That was, the, that was their question. So there are three main ways that they looked at in order to guarantee authenticity, okay? Okay. So number one, the letter was written by an apostle. One of the 12 mentioned um, that Jesus walked with one of the apostles. So if you knew that it was Matthew, you know this was a big deal. This is a guy that lived, walked, cooked, ate food with Jesus, traveled with him in between roads. This guy knew him for three years. Okay, You knew that this had authority. You knew that Jesus referred to this person, right? Okay, and then the second one, it was a close friend of an apostle. So we have the book of Luke, which is a gospel, but Luke never met Jesus. He, is, he was a friend of the apostles. We have Paul. Paul never met Jesus. Well, never met him physically. He met him on the road to Damascus. He had a revelation encounter with Jesus. He never met him physically. So Paul is a close friend of the apostle. And also there's, there were writings that referred to these people as being of merit, people being authority. Okay? And then the third one was also a very interesting one. Um, so the, the destruct, Jerusalem was destroyed around about 70 AD. So the Romans came in, they destroyed Jerusalem. And if you are a Jew, you would think that's quite a significant event. Quite a traumatic event. The temple was destroyed. The capital for your religion, as you know, the capital of Judaism, was destroyed, and that's still that's still something that affects the Jews even today. Okay, the the temple has never been rebuilt since then. That's 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 incredible. So, one of the ways that they guaranteed, or looked to guarantee authenticity, was If the book or the letter in question mentioned the destruction of Jerusalem, that letter was discounted. Okay? So let me just say that again. So you have an event that happens. If somebody writes it in their letter or writes about it or refers to that event, you know that they wrote that letter after that event. All right? So... Um, so the so the early church people who put the Bible together, they they said, well, if 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 it happened 70 years after the life of Jesus when he was born, 40 years after his death, that's too late. We can't guarantee that the story that they're telling is accurate, and that's that's incredible because if you go to modern universities, people that study myth, mytho, mythology um greek mythology egyptian mythology they will tell you that they they regard things as being myth if it is over 60 years old from if if something is written 60 years after the the event which it describes so that's incredible so we know that the books in the bible were written at max maximum 40 years after the death of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So that was one of the ways that they guaranteed that the stories being told were eyewitness, they were accurate, and they were still vivid in the people's memory when they wrote them. We can guarantee that this is an accurate depiction of the Bible. So then you've got to ask, are there books that didn't make the cut? Have any of you ever heard of you know the, the the gospel of Judas. Some accounts, of the gospel of Mary. Okay, the gospel of Enoch. Those those letters are authentic. Those letters. There's a whole group of them, and we and we refer to them as the apocrypha. If you study theology, you'll probably read them. Um, they were even in the Bible. Um, the Roman Church put them in the Bible around about the 1500s, and then they were taken out. Quite recently, um, at the end of the 1800s, and the reason why they were taken out was when we matched them against this criteria, we couldn't guarantee their authenticity. The Bible was put together in such a way to guarantee that the message being told is authentic. Isn't that isn't that incredible? That that was that was the reason. So if you study theology, you'll read those books. Some of them are really weird. Some of them refer to things that kind of sounds like aliens. Some of them refer to Jesus in a different way. Um, if um, I've briefly scanned through some of them. To me, keep with Scripture. We keep with Scripture for a very specific reason. We can guarantee what we're reading is authentic. Okay, isn't that amazing? Okay. So, after that, you've got to ask a different question. Okay, Luke, that's very cool, but you still got this 400-year gap. How can we guarantee that the New Testament we can rely on it? You've got people made these copies of these of these letters. How can we guarantee that what we have is authentic? It's what the apostles wrote. Okay, so did you know that the number of documents that are in existence that talk about the life of Julius Caesar are about 10 in existence? Okay, so we know about the life of Julius Caesar because of 10 documents, 10 copies that exist and are studied in the world today. Okay, anybody ever heard of Plato? Okay, the philosopher seven documents in total seven pieces of paper that we know about the life of plato seven copies okay anybody know about aristotle also another famous philosopher greet five dog anybody want to guess how many documents are in existence that refer to something about the new testament anybody want to take a guess You guys are thinking way small. That's, that's closer. Okay, you're looking at over, you're looking at close to about 14,000 documented pieces of paper, okay? Greek, Latin, referring to the Gospels as we know them. Isn't that incredible? that means that you have 14,000 documents that you can cross reference check copies check look for mistakes isn't that amazing okay that there, there is nothing in in history that comes close to matching the amount of historic documents that have formed what we know is the New Testament. Nothing close. I think the closest thing, Omar, you mentioned it this last week. Yeah. Eli, which was about about 700 documents. That's the closest thing that we have of history that even comes close to that. You're looking at 14,000 documents. Known documents. There there were things found in the 1950s uh, um, which even led... Even more documents, isn't that amazing? Okay, and then there's another amazing part. Have, have any of you ever wondered why there are four books in the Bible, the Gospels? Why they're incredibly similar, especially for the first three? Okay, have have you, have, ever, have any of you ever wondered why there are three books in the Bible? They kind of look look the same. Kind of gets a bit repetitive. Yeah. That there, there's a very specific reason why those those books were put in there specifically to corroborate eyewitness testimony. Okay? You have three different people of three different backgrounds in three different times writing three different books. Okay? And when you cross reference them, you see their stories are matching up. So if you're sitting in a courtroom, okay, and you you presenting evidence, somebody is on trial, you start bringing up your witnesses, okay, Matthew, please tell us your account. Matthew starts uh, retelling his account. Okay, Mark, you come tell your, Mark starts telling his account. Okay, Luke, can you please come tell us what what uh, what you heard? Luke comes. Starts writing down his account. You start seeing a pattern. Three different people, three different times, did not know each other. They're writing the same story. Something's got to be up. Have you ever wondered that? That sometimes there are stories that are not like in in the three gospels. There's, there's stories that are not quite the same. You know, like. Matthew tells it this way, Luke tells it that way, Mark tells it this way. yeah if you study um, forensic uh, if you, uh, forensics or any any field like that, they'll tell you if the stories are 100 percent the same, it means that they're rehearsed. And, and when they're interrogating people, they expect the stories to be different because they're told by different people from different perspectives. even the fact, that the stories are different in the three Gospels points to the fact that they're telling the same story. Isn't that amazing? Okay. One of the most amazing things to me about the New Testament is the fulfillment of prophecy. This this to me points to the biggest proof that we have that the new testament is accurate okay and and i wish i had more time to go into old testament stuff maybe we'll make time for it i just want to focus on the new testament but if you have the time start reading through isaiah read through jeremiah look at what they said look at look at psalm uh look at isaiah 41 42 look at what they said about jesus Look at what happens in the Bible. Read through the Gospels. Look at what Jesus did. You have something that was prophesied, and then you have Jesus who fulfilled them to to the letter. Isn't that amazing? We have a story that was written 2,000 years ago. We have people that put this book together in such a way that when you present it, You are presented with facts, with a case. Okay? And to this day, there is no case that has come against what we know as the New Testament that can debunk it. Okay? And there's a lot more to go into. I can go into archaeological evidence, cities mentioned in the New Testament that for years archaeologists said cannot be true doesn't exist and then all of a sudden somebody digs up this town that somebody thought was wiped out didn't exist mentioned in the in the new testament and things like that there's 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 things we can go go into but when when you read these things just the just this little bit of information that i have given you you understand that god has had a plan through the years he's he's been able to protect the word and the authenticity of the word through the years that you know that when you hold this this Bible <laughs> it's funny, I was going for the third one. <laughs> um, when you know that when you hold this Bible, you hold something that you can present okay this isn't this isn't just a spiritual document it is it's the Word of God it is, it is the Word made flesh. Okay, but when you're presenting this, you give this to Ben Rico, and you're saying, this is a case study. Read the eyewitness testimonies. Read the first three books of the Bible. They are eyewitness accounts of what happened. See how their stories are corroborated. Okay, look at what people wrote about him. Look at what was said about him. Look at the accounts given. Okay. This is not just a spiritual book, it is a historic book. You need, to, you need to read it historically. This is the only document that we have today that can accurately depict what happened back then. Did you know that there is no, no um, scholar, atheist, Christian, Jewish that denies the existence of Jesus? They do not deny that there was a physical person named Jesus who lived two thousand years ago. Do you know why? Because of the evidence. There's nothing. If you if you if you prescribe to the fact that Julius Caesar existed because of ten documents, okay, you gotta you gotta weigh these things up. You've got to be doing the mental maths. You know, ten, fourteen thousand. You know, but the amazing thing about this is that this book is not just a personal guide for you you can hand this to somebody and say this was written for you this was written to give account of the life of Jesus read it there is nobody that has been able to come up with a theory or case or evidence to debunk it there is nothing that exists. If we're in a court case, and I'm presenting my eyewitnesses and my, and my evidence, my archaeological evidence, there is nothing that has been presented that can debunk it. Nothing of significance. Let's stand together. Um, so, write down bethinking.org. It's an amazing website for a lot of material but they have a lot of good material on the history of the new testament they've got some videos they've got some articles you can go read but start reading up Start read through the the prophets in the old testament read through deuteronomy especially the first three chapters all, all the scriptures that jesus quoted when he was fighting satan were out of the first three chapters of deuteronomy Jesus thought they were good to know in a fight against Satan. Probably got some worth, yeah? But we, we, when we look at this book, we've got to stop seeing this as something that we need to defend. We don't need to defend this. This thing stands on its own. And when Jesus comes, if you go read um, John 1. John 1 talks about Jesus and he says that that in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god so when we when we look at this this isn't this isn't just a a book it is a physical representation of jesus christ himself it is the best attempt of man to describe him and write him down it does not need your defense the amazing part is that this here is, is here to defend you. The Word of God is here not to be defended, but to defend you. Because one day you're going to stand in a courtroom and Satan is going to come and bring charges against you. And he's going to say, You know what, Tracy? Yeah, yeah, we know. Yeah. No. <laughs> And you're going to say, you know what, I I hear the charges, but I gave my life to Jesus. And according to his word, which he gave me, according to his word, my sins are forgiven. And there is no charge that you have against me. The price has, has been paid. Isn't that amazing? The word of God does not need your defense. The word of God is here to defend you. Read it. Ephesians 6 calls the word of God, says, It is a sword. Take up the sword of truth, which is the word of God. What do you use a sword for? As dual purpose, defending and fighting. Learn to read it, learn to study it, learn to love it. In its pages are the sources of life. In its pages, you have the means to beat back the enemy. In its pages, you have the means to fight the enemy. You have the means to bring about change in your school, in your workplace. You have the means to bring about change in the country. Isn't that amazing? One of my, one of my um, favorite scriptures, Luke um, Luke 10, Also because it's in the book of Luke. Um, (laughs) Terrible. I just want to get it out for you. I want to read this for you. I just feel that somebody needs to hear this one. Um, Luke 10 verse 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was amazing. He had an amazing ability to summarize things and to simplify things. You can summarize this whole book in that one verse, Luke 10, verse 27. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, that, and that, that essentially is the point of this book. And it's here to equip you to do that. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And my prayer for you today is that, is that we understand that God has given everything that you need in that book. Every, every answer to a question that you, need, that you have. Every thought that permeates your being. Every problem you have with family, every person that you're trying to reach, every circumstance you're trying to overcome, the Word of God stands tall. You don't need to defend the Bible. The Bible is here to defend you. It is God's gift to you. It's the greatest weapon you'll have. Let's pray. Lord, bless Ben Rico. <laughs> Send him a wife. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. Let's pray. Dear Lord Father, thank you for your goodness. Father. Thank you that before creation began, the word was there. And the Word was there to defend us. Even before you created us, you made a way for us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Father, we just want to thank you, and we, the only response we have to say is thank you. You plan to perfection a means of our escape, a means of our, of our survival, of our salvation. And Jesus, today we come and give you all the glory and all the honor. Father, we repent of not taking your word seriously. We repent of being ashamed of your word, where we don't have answers, Father God. And Father, today we come and say, we are committed to your word. We, we don't want to start taking your word for granted. It's not just the worship we want to be into, it's your word we want to be into.